Hey guys, this is Rob and welcome to question number 34. Can artists manufacture emotion? First of all, artists. I feel like that's a word I don't think about a lot, but saying that T with S follow it after when I'm sitting here trying to say it intentionally into a microphone, that's not easy. Say it with me now. Artists. 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 Yeah, now you're, now you're trying to play it cool. Did I say it correctly? Yeah, I think so. But just it, j- all these things where no, I'm saying, try, when I'm, I'm not here, trying to play it cool. I'm just better at words than you. <laughs> okay, you are. But when I sit here and I sit in front of a microphone and I'm trying to be intentional with my words and speak clearly, then like you say, I sound like a freaking robot. Mm. All I, right. I can't disagree. Okay, so here is where this title comes from. Can artists manufacture motion? I sat down with Dan Smith producer, songwriter, engineer, musician. We talked about so many things about intentionality. So here's a topic that we dive into. We talked about when you go into a studio, everything's intentional. So this thought of emotion, you want to, when as an artist, you want to be raw. Like I'm even saying right now, I want to speak clearly. I want to, I want to convey my natural self, but at the same time, I need to be intentional about speaking clearly. Uh, Where's the microphone in front of me? There's so many things going on in your head. And I think a lot of times artists can write off the intentionality and we want to hold on to this thought of, I just want to be natural. I want all this art and this music and everything to come naturally to me and just it being a, an expression of whatever's natural inside of me. So we kind of shun off this nat- this intent, not natural, but we shun off this intentional side. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, even things, I mean, it, sound, it would sound so goofy if I start talking about you know, what are you wearing on stage? How do you look? How do you present yourself? How are you moving on stage? When I talk with people about that for the first time when I'm doing my artist augmenting, it's a very unnatural thing for artists to think about a lot of times because they want to just be natural. I don't want to have to think about it. So this manufacturing emotion kind of comes from that. Does that make sense at all? No, it does make sense. And I think intentional could also be sometimes replaced with discipline. You know, you you can't just like in my case, oh, I just want to be a social worker and help people, but I don't want to put in the actual work to get there. Yeah. Okay. We dive into all of that. This is the second year. Year number two of doing this podcast. But before we go on, let's just, I mean, play the theme song. Let's take a deep breath before moving on. (sighs) (laughs) Not the Game of Thrones theme song. Can you press that little button over there for our... Um, Let me this- cue it up. Shmoop. <laughs> Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for joining us. For those of you joining us for the first time, my name is Rob Morgan, and for the past 10 years, I've been traveling the world as a bassist and music director. This is my podcast where I sit down over drinks on location with intriguing people I've met to try to get past what it is they do to find out who they are, why they do it, and what I can learn from them. I'm joined, as always, by my wife, my friend, my... Ah, I should have thought of something ahead of time. Every time. You know this is coming. I know, but I want it to come naturally. I am your... Ooh, oh, come on. I'm your... Come on. No, I almost had it. 
old, so close. Yeah, I'm, I'm your right field man. I was trying to think of a baseball term. Yeah, my right and I'm an man. outfielder. I don't You're, know what a term is. What do just you mean any by that? baseball term. I'm just picking any position. You are my baseball term. <laughs> I love it. Dumb. Hey, before <laughs> before we move on, all this defining uh, what you are to me and doing this podcast mm. is making me thirsty. And you know what? Nothing. I'm so glad we don't have to deal with sponsors on this podcast, or else I would have to tell you that nothing solves a podcasting thirst, whether you are listening, recording, interviewing. Researching, thinking about podcasts, maybe looking for a new podcasting app. Nothing quenches a podcasting thirst like a Guinness. Oh, oh hey. Luna jumped. Oh. Noodles. Oh, Luna. Luna, you as well should be used to this sound. Can I offer you a Guinness? Yes, please. Do you have any Guinness facts that come to mind as I'm pouring this? Well, a well-known fact about Guinness that is often overlooked is the extensive healing powers of Guinness. What? Is that true? Or are you just making that up? No, I don't have any facts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it confidently. People will believe it. Cheers. To your health. Mmm. Mmm. I feel like we've been on a Guinness hiatus. I haven't done the podcast for about... Man, a little over a month I took off. I think the last time I had one was in New York, maybe. Yeah. Mmm, in New York. Uh, nothing At like a Guinness in New York. Molly's? Was that the place? Molly's Tavern. Sawdust on the floor. One of the only two places I've ever been that has sawdust on the floor. Molly's and McSorley's. Both in the East Village. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Gotta say, man, sure tastes like mother's milk. <laughs> Did you like that angle? <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's nonchalant. I, mean, I, I just, you know what? Those of you that have been following along with the podcast know that each week we ask Sarah a question. Those questions come from you, the listeners. And this week's question comes from Jake Dean from Canada. He wrote in through the website and asked, what's the weirdest thing you've seen in someone else's home? Sarah? That's a good question, Jake. Well, the example I have, it wasn't in their home that I saw it, but it came from their home. Do you know what I'm going to say? No. <laughs> One time, we were hanging out at one of our regular haunts, Black Forest Inn, and this guy, I think a regular, he looked familiar, came in and sat down at the bar, and he had placed in front of him a metal coiled apparatus. Oh, geez. That looks like a dildo. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with this question. <laughs> Are you, have you been just sitting on that waiting for an excuse no, to tell someone that you saw the that? Weird, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. In your life. And just the fact that it came from someone's home. And he had made it for a friend and brought it to the bar. Oh, That's really gosh. weird. Yeah. Too weird for your podcast? Well, no, I mean, I'm going to leave it in. I'm, what, is there anything that comes to your mind, that you, a weirdest thing that you've seen in someone's home, though? Mm, yes, I forgot about this. So one time in high school, my friend Jess was house sitting for someone who lived out i don't know in the middle of nowhere small town iowa and i went over to hang out with her and i didn't know the family that she was house sitting for but apparently they had a phase where they had exotic pets that maybe was not legal and they got in trouble anyway draped across their couch was the fur of i think like a tiger some like big exotic cat and like the head was still Oh, on one it. of those, yeah. With the mouth is open. Or something, yeah. Yeah. And it was like a tiger that they knew and had. Not just like, oh, I picked this up in Africa. It was one of their tigers. Yeah. Oh, that is weird. Very weird. And it was a creepy house to be in late at night. Because they had other kind of animal things and yeah. it was in the middle of the woods. Yeah. You can use that as my replacement story. 
If the D word scares you. Uh, hey, speaking of Black Forest, by the way, uh, where you had the unfortunate encounter with the weirdest human of all time carrying the weirdest metal object of all time. Mm. That's where I interviewed Elliot Bloffus. Moving on. Jake, thank you for your question. For those of you that are not familiar with this whole situation, I wanted to make the most interactive podcast possible. When I was setting out, I didn't want this to be just something where I'm talking to the microphone and I post stuff online. It's just not, it's just, here's what I'm doing, here's the conversations I'm having, and you can just listen to it if you want. I wanted to make this interactive, so I came up with three ways I've made this podcast interactive. Number one is the website. You can head over to thecuriouspod.com. That's where Jake wrote in uh, thecuriouspod.com slash contact. You can write in right there. The other way is through our podcast hotline. You can call 612-584-9330. Leave a message. Leave a question for Sarah if you want. And if we like it, We'll play your message on the podcast. And the third is the rating, comment, subscribing section on iTunes. Listen, I am so thankful for any of you that have rated, commented, and subscribed on iTunes. Five stars only. In your comments, leave a question for Sarah. And if we like it, we will read it on the podcast. All right. I'm just, I'm going to summarize this. Just, I wrote, I wrote down some stuff. I've got paper in front of me and Sarah's freaking out. It looks like a lot of paper, but it's just some stuff I wanted to talk about in this intro before I get into my conversation with Dan. And here's the deal. Summarized, I'm not even going to read. You can look, I won't judge you. Here's the deal. I I took a month and a half off because I wanted to do, when I set out to this podcast, I said, I'm going to do a year of these episodes and then I'm going to recalibrate. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to look back over the past year and see what I've learned, uh, see what the next future looks like if I'm going to keep doing this. I took this last month off. I'm thinking through these things. I ended up getting really stuck inside my head. There's things that aren't necessarily talked about in the field of creativity or in publicly, especially with social media. Sometimes I do get stuck in my own head. And so it's super important to me for ha- to have conversations with other friends uh, and people that struggle with the same thing. Not necessarily for advice, because I come to you for advice, and you give me a lot of advice with this, uh, but a lot of times with just mental oxygen. Oh, yeah. I'm not the only one thinking about this stuff. And here's what I discovered, all right? I wrote this down. Here we go. One, you're like a dream come true. Go on. (laughs) What I discovered is that when you are creating... I I listened to another podcast recently, and I realized that... Sometimes in my head, I can get confused with being a freelancer and an entrepreneur. And so my head, I want to think with things like this podcast, like a lot of other people approach their podcast about, I'm creating a business here. How is this financially sustainable? What is it, What does the numbers look like? What are the subscribers? How many people are downloading it? And I realize, no, I am at heart a freelancer and someone who creates things. And in order to continue doing that, continue down the path of what I wanted to do with this podcast, I realized I have to completely ignore any of the numbers. As of right now, this isn't a financial thing. That's why I didn't start up a Patreon right when I started. That's why I don't have a bunch of subscribers. Um, pause for a quick sip of Guinness. Nourishment. Anyways. Gross. <laughs> and so one of the things that I have realized as someone that's creating things in the hopes to add value of you, the listener, and also in my life, looking back over this past year, it's been absurd how much value I've gotten from these conversations, how much I've learned from the people I've talked with. And so the the phrase that kept coming to my mind is define less, listen more. I get stuck in this thought of, okay, so who's listening and what do they want to hear? A yeah. lot, a lot of popular episodes are musical, kind of like today's just happens to be. 
Uh, and so sometimes I get in my own mind of thinking, man, this needs to be a music podcast. Does it need to be music? Do I need to completely not talk about music in this podcast? What does it need to be about? How do I pigeonhole this so it has a direct focus so I can build a following? And also thus like limit yourself. <laughs> totally. And with I think with limitations, you free yourself when creating in a lot of ways. But uh, the defining of this podcast and what the future looks like this next year too was completely unhealthy. Yeah. And the funny thing is when I, when I, uh, when I made that commitment to myself to define less, listen more, a weird shift happened almost like the universe listened and my interaction with the universe and those around me completely shifted on access instantly. Uh, when I was having conversations with people like this, Dan Smith and I were having a conversation in a green room, and it I wasn't talking with him about being on the podcast, but he said a few things that I knew instantly, man, I want to continue this conversation. Let's get together and record it for the podcast. Yeah. We were recently at a farmer's market, mm-hmm. and uh, we were looking through uh, the different creative spaces and people making stuff, and okay. I ended up in a conversation with a blacksmith. And it blew my mind talking with him. I realized it's 2018. I sat in a car recently that drives itself. It's the Antichrist. <laughs> uh, Sorry, go on. No, and I, I, it's right now. I'm talking into this electronic microphone, mm. and we have listeners in Iceland that are going to listen to this tomorrow. And that blows my mind. And yet, at the same time, in 2018, there is somebody that wants to create art and make a living blacksmithing yeah i like that about the world yeah and so he's in the following month he's gonna be on the podcast i ran into someone who is a professional swordsman he teaches classes about medieval sword fighting he's gonna be on the podcast i've got uh, even just saying that right now i'm reminded i have a million questions i want to ask this person Mm. uh so that's it i'm just the only reason i'm saying this i know i'm getting long-winded here but this i'm putting out in the universe so people that listen to this can hold me accountable. I'm going to define less and listen more. And hopefully that happens in the conversations I have with people outside of this podcast, within this podcast. And hopefully that inspires other people to instill a genuine root level of curiosity about the world around them in a world where it's so much more fashionable to have an opinion than it is to have questions, to have answers Mm, instead of asking more questions. That's what this is all about. Yeah. So I'm just doubling down 2018, year number two, going even deeper. It's all about just genuine curiosity for the world around us. You know what I'm saying? Do you even know what I'm... Do you, I'm talking I'm so to dumb. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. Dan Smith is a producer, an engineering musician, a multi-instrumentalist, a songwriter. And I said, Dan, listen... You've done such works as the band Speakers and the band Weaver at the Loom with my buddy Isaac Burkhart, who we both love. It's a burp. Oh, side note. You know what I'm thinking of? I I really like his project Speakers. I don't know if you've heard any other tunes, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach out to Dan tonight, and I'm going to put a song of his from their most recent album at the very end of this podcast. So stick around and check that out at the very end. We set a date. We set a time. It was 11 o'clock in the morning, and I said, hey, the morning of, Dan, it's gorgeous out, change of plans. What if we did this podcast outside? Let's meet up. Uh, we met at a lake that is in between where we both live. I made a massive error. 
<laughs> my error is this it is one of the nicest days of the year and we decided we were looking around and we decided to sit under some shade uh and we i got everything set up i set up the cameras because year number two i'm going to try to integrate more video with all this so if you want to head over to youtube.com slash the rob morgan you can see a video of this interview i had all the cameras set up the mics everything and instantly a bobcat pulls in right behind us and starts bulldozing three or four of the they've got these um volleyball nets right. and courts there. So he starts flattening them out, whatever, caretaking for them. So that's in the background, but it, it was it wouldn't even have been usable if we would have stayed there. So we moved out onto the lake. There was this dock right in the middle, gorgeous, sunny, felt good. There was a nice breeze. We said, oh, no problem. We'll just sit out here at 1130 in the morning and record, what, an hour and a half? It was like a, we sat out there for two hours in direct sunlight one of the dumbest podcasting decisions I've ever done. Mm. I was sunburnt for about three days afterwards. I haven't heard from Dan the past couple of days, but I know he was sunburnt. He texted me the night after saying he was oh. at home with ice packs on. Oh, geez. So uh, if you want to watch two guys melting. Slowly while, burning. While having a podcast conversation, you can head over to YouTube. Let's do it. I, I, I feel like your two needs a, a tagline. Sneeze you later. <laughs> that's so bad. All right, that's, that's it for today. All right. Here's my conversation with Dan Smith. Sneeze you later. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's here's a thought for you. Yeah. Uh, on this track of the nerding out about uh, the MySpaces and the pure volumes and all that. Yeah. Uh, two thoughts come out of that topic that I would love to pick your brain on. One is the thought of why does this even matter? Does it matter? And I'm always torn between thinking back of the times and hours, hours I spent that I would sometimes say right now, wasting time editing my MySpace page and like the yeah. HTML coding yeah. and getting it all cool and having the background and like, what's my name going to be? And I had it all perfect. It looked like a bass cab. Yeah. And then I thought, man, if someone came to my MySpace, I'll get a gig <laughs> because because this is so legit and for the longest time i thought well man this is that was such a waste of time i should have been practicing or i should have doing stuff that matters but at the same time i wonder if i in order to do what i was going to do in life or do music that matters or that's good or care about my art i wonder if it had to be so far extreme that i cared about the small things does that make sense at all do you think where do you land on that do you i mean i think it matters because i think that not to make too broad of a, you know, a generalization, but Dude, people tend to be somewhat vain, you know, naturally. I am as well. It's, uh, I mean, it's like Fiji water. You actually think that they're just flying hundreds of <laughs> yes. thousands of gallons of yeah. water from Fiji to the yeah. Super America on the corner? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's water in a square bottle. Yeah. And for some reason... It the, tastes better because the of that. the idea of that is worth an extra dollar or yeah. whatever. You know, it's it's crazy, but you know, packaging is important, and it's funny when you think about being in a uh, an an industry that's based around one sense, which is hearing, and you wonder, well, it's interesting that visuals factor into it because it's a totally different sense, but it's kind of like people. People make decisions with their eyes a lot, a lot more than they do 
with their ears, especially when it, it's a lot quicker to yes. to look at an album cover or look at a band page than it is to actually sit down and listen to a song. Yeah. You know, and so basically the visuals are uh, kind of enticing or, you know, convincing, making the argument that it's worth taking the next step to actually listen to this thing. Yeah. And I think that it was like, if your visuals conveyed a professional atmosphere, then people were convinced that your, um, you know, music would as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. when you look at MySpace and yeah. people quickly realize that uh, that argument did not yeah. always, uh, you know, <laughs> did, didn't always carry away. Yeah. 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 You know, you got people who were super good at promotion and you yes. were like, these guys are going to be, you know, yeah. this is going to sound great. And then you were like, wow, they totally spent their whole budget on totally. on, on the visuals, you know, and, you know, maybe the the record kind of didn't kind of match up with that or the opposite yeah like i remember i remember one time like seeing uh this was far after band of horses like pinnacle either but the guy was like yeah so people have been telling me that you know i need to be doing this stuff so this is my first facebook post ever you know and this yeah. is like after their after their all their excess success yeah. you know and i'm like that's so great you know because then you have yeah. like the opposite scenario yeah where it's like you know they were just really focused on making records and i mean there's weight in both camps i mean i'm i'm probably guilty very much so of not doing enough promotion i always felt weird about it it was just yeah. not in my nature yeah you know but I do think I do. I mean, it's it's a business, you know. Yeah. It's like honestly, you could put you know Chipotle in a in a little shack, and you know, as long as the food was good, sure. Yeah. But you know, the layout of the store the helps. Yes, man. I okay. So the two things are that you're going with on this is the promotional side, sure, and that, and then the other, the visual side that I feel. The promotional side, I get torn up about. Yeah. I'm always kind of on the fence and I think about that. But the visual side, like you're talking, is something I totally believe in. Yeah. My buddy, uh, Gabe Hagen, who is a drummer. I don't know yep. if you've met yep, him. Yep, I met him. He, his big thing, oh my gosh, is that Bobcat about to fall off the into the lake? Dude, he's a, he's a advanced operator. <laughs> he's a advanced. Okay, so we're sitting here, side note, we're sitting here on a lake because it's literally the most gorgeous day of the year so far. And I was like, let's go out and let's do this, hang out, this interview somewhere outside, totally random. We show up and just to our left, there are four beach volleyball courts. And as soon as we started recording, a bobcat (laughs) shows up and starts, man, just now, I guess a... uh, a Thursday morning is when he needs to be leveling out those volleyball courts. Getting ready for the weekend. Yeah, the weekend's coming, and nobody's stopping him. Everyone okay. wants to live that Tom Cruise, <laughs> Top Gun, beach volleyball <laughs> montage <laughs> man, every Friday through Sunday. Oh, man. Okay, anyways, what were you saying? Okay, so this thought of the visual side, yeah, not yeah, the promotional yeah. side, but the visual side yeah. of art. Uh, Gabe always would tell me, that nobody goes to a concert with their eyes closed. Yeah, that's true. And I true. feel like it's really, it's really cool and heady and hip to be like, no, nothing matters except for the music that you're hearing. But people really do show up when you when they uh, when you walk into a store when you walk. People see something way before. 
uh, way before they hear it. And I feel oh, like totally. that impacts the sound. Oh, it oh it absolutely does because it's kind of like I don't really like baseball. Yeah, I'm sure that's you know if you love baseball, that's awesome. You know, I I get sports. I like hockey a yeah. lot. But, don't um, let this Twins hat, uh, <laughs> don't, don't let it fool you. I'm not a Twins guy. Uh, you know, and that's, I mean, that's cool. It's, you know, it's our heritage, like baseball, <laughs> America's pastime. But I love how you're talking about it as if it's this kind of like dirty secret past. Like, hey, listen, it's something we can't change. It's you know? almost like, it's so taboo. It's almost like being like, yeah, I'm just not that into Christmas, you know? <laughs> All right. What do you have against babies? Yeah, you know, I babies are overrated. I just, yeah. You know, I personally I just I'm just not into gifts. Kind of slimy and yeah. you know, I just, you know, I'm not into them. But um yeah. No, I think I just baseball is just painfully boring for yeah. me. And but I enjoy going to baseball games because yes. you have the social atmosphere. Yes. You know, you get a beer and a brat and the sun's out and you're hanging out and there's kind of just something going on. Yes. And every once in a while, everyone gets yeah. excited. I'm a big fan of the wave. Yeah. I'm a real mellow person until the wave comes out. And then it's like that, like crazy mom aggression, you know, like lifting the car off of her toddler. Yes. You know, that's like the kind of uh, the energy I get when the wave comes around. I just turn into a monster, <laughs> you know. Dude, I love that so much just i hate this sport i just picture you so bummed until you see the wave coming around dude that just, is i'm alive it's I'm al something about you have all these different people yeah and everyone agrees that yeah we're gonna do this thing like you cannot get you could not get people to agree on anything yeah you know like and yet like i just think about you know, internet forums and how much people just disagree with each other about everything. Constantly fighting. You know, like you, people can yeah. just find something debatable about everything. Yes. But then for some reason, you're out having fun in the sun and they're like, hey, let's all, uh, you know, agree to choreograph this thing imp impromptu. Yes. You know, so that it looks like there's a wave going around yes. the stadium. And everyone instantly is like, I have no problem with this. Yes. Let's do it. Yeah, we're going for it. Especially, you know, it's funny because when you watch hockey, there's so many Canadian teams. Are you a hockey guy? I am. Okay. I love, I love okay. the wild. So, but I think it's, I get kind of ADHD with sports. And yeah. Wild, or like the, like hockey is so fast paced. Yes. And so it really keeps my attention, you know, yeah. and there can be so much going on. Yeah. I have a hard time with the stop and start sports yep. like baseball and football yeah i'm just kind of like cool oh wait now we now gotta wait three commercial. minutes yeah y you know and, and i just had this conversation with someone recently that baseball is now you can watch they said mainly like a yankees game they were saying yeah can be four hours or dude something it like can that. be longer there are, once you get into like playoffs like i remember there was this one like playoff game that like went to like like 4 a.m. or something. It was like basically that the is next insane. day. That's insane. You me. know, but it, it like when they don't like cap the amount of innings, mm -hmm. it can just go and go and go and go. And there's ways to like, I don't know. There's there's just ways to stretch it out. But anyways, like I think um, I think yeah, the fast-paced nature of hockey kind of is is yeah. interesting to me. But there's so many Canadian teams with hockey. Yeah. And Canadians are just 
absolutely nuts about the wave. I don't know what it is, but every Canadian <laughs> hockey game yes. okay. is like a full-on wave. Like, there's no dead sections. You know, yeah. you get those dead sections. Yes. You hit it, and you're like, oh, they were. you see it coming, and oh, they're not into it. Okay, those few people weren't into it. Everybody's into it. Every, yeah. Okay. The whole thing. And it's like, I can remember one time I was at a Twins game, and, like, the wave started going, and then there's this beautiful moment where it spread and jumped a deck, and it spread to the upper level, and it got all the people, like, <laughs> up by like the big sign up yes. there and i was like that is that is awesome or you got like the the real champions that are yeah. like there's like five people in one whole <laughs> section yes. and they're all doing it and they're trying so hard oh man i love that growing up um football was the big thing because i grew up in nebraska okay yeah and there was no pro team so the nebraska corn huskers is like yeah. a cult yep. in nebraska yep uh and so everybody's into it but i remember my dad was into it so much and he would he was always the guy that loved the wave and would be the starter you know you always <laughs> yeah. have you have that he there's I'm not always, that bold yeah. i, I want to be man but Goals. you're just not there to start it yeah yeah one day one day oh man okay that so anyway like i feel like all of this is fascinating to the thought of uh, even everything you're saying with hockey, baseball, it just comes back to uh, there's an ambience about yeah. something oh, yeah. outside of what you're there, you think you're there for. Yeah, you're using all the senses for sure. You're there, and it's not even just sensory, it's it's social, it's, um, I don't know, you're just, you're as much as you want to be there for the music yeah. live, there's just so many more things going on. Yeah. You know, it's like how people will get to be like festival goers and they're not really even like big music fans. Yeah. They just they just love the atmosphere and the experience yes. of it. Yeah. You know, and they'll love some bands live and then they listen to a record and they're not into it. And like yeah. I'm kind of the opposite where like I would rather like put on a record on like a great system and just sit and listen to it and absorb it in a comfortable atmosphere. Yes. It's kind of like, to be honest, mm -hmm. If there's a, like a hockey game that I'm really am interested in the outcome of, I personally would probably rather watch it on TV. Yeah. Because I actually know what's going on. Because then you can be there. You, you're taking it in. You get all the shots. Yeah. You can see. It's not like depending if you're sitting on one end of the ice and everything's happening on the other end. You're like, I wonder what's happening down there. You know? Yes. Like because technology has gotten so amazing in, yeah. in recreating that experience. It's almost... It's as if you were like sitting in a seat that followed the action around the stadium, you know, and it's like you're you you all the information that you need to gather is presented in such a more clear way. Yeah. Then uh, when you're but that's the thing is it's a you're you're going to the game for a, it's a different energy. Yeah. You know, and it's yes. the same thing with it's going a, to the a concert. same thing. Definitely. But a different energy. Okay. Let me let me pick your brain on this. Then. Yeah, I have a disorder, and the disorder is I make things way deeper than they need to be. Dude, <laughs> I so I'm a chronic sufferer as well, dude. <laughs> I, so, okay, so in this in this scenario, uh, what would you say if there's like a, if there was a, an artist or band uh, that is making something right now? Do you think it's important to embrace where we're at right now and say, okay, you, you, when you're creating, you're going in the studio to record it, should you ignore the live, uh, the live down the road playing it and thinking about that scenario and just think about the studio, what this sounds like 
purely audio or do you want people to think holistically of like okay how's this going to sound live i think where do you fall on that does that make question make sense yeah 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 i'm talking about in the creating mode yeah 100 percent. i think like i think this has a lot to do with figuring out who and what you are as an artist as well because i think that uh, once you get into music it's music is such a hard thing i remember like when i first you know, started dating my now wife, you know, and I would be working on a record or whatever. Mm -hmm. It'd just be like, what is taking so long? You know, yeah. and it's like, it's not like, you know, Nashville, the TV show where it's like, oh, you sit down, you hit, you push record three and a half minutes later, the song's done. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like, like I think Quincy Jones once said that making a record is like painting a Boeing 747 with a Q-tip, you know, it like... Uh. You know, like that's a Making really a record is like, oh, that is so it's good. good. Yes. It, you know, and that's really what it is. You're focused on all these minute little details. And it's hard because, again, I think it helps to kind of uh, use the metaphor of like a visual metaphor, because I think people understand things like painting and graphic design a little better because I yeah. think that visuals is a little easier to understand. Yeah. Audio is like this invisible thing. You're yeah. manipulating these invisible waves and it's hard for people to understand exactly what are you doing? And that was kind of, you know, what she would ask was just like, and it's not like she was being skeptical or anything. She just was kind of like, I don't understand the process, you know? Yes. And I think, you know, the more we got to know each other and the more she's around it, I think she understood like, you know, like she would be working on something while I would be editing drums or editing vocals or something like that yep. and be like, wow, I can't believe that that's what's involved for that one song. Yes. You know? And so basically where I'm going You were with, working on this for an hour and I cannot tell what you did. Yeah, or like mixing and you mix this one passage and you loop it. And, you know, it's like anyone else would just have a meltdown. But for some reason, <laughs> yes. you just learn to to deal with it, you yeah. know, or like you're focused on something else that you don't hear the same loop over and over. You're you hear this section that you're working on improving every single time. So it's not yes. as repetitive, yeah. you know, but I think basically what I'm getting at is this profession is an incredibly time consuming and detail oriented thing. Mm -hmm. And it's also um, if you're not operating at a hundred percent, it's going to be really hard to be, to be competitive and to really like, there's just so, there's so many people doing it and there's so many resources and so many tools available for people to do it that I think you really have to be very clear about selling an experience or a story or an atmosphere or an emotion or an energy or or something that's unique that r really translates to the listener in a really uh like concrete way yes and i think that that's the the thing i always see about musicians and and whoever who whatever creative medium whether you're a filmmaker or a musician or an artist or whatever you find something that works really well for you that you do really well yeah and you you hone in on that aspect and i would say if you're a person that is a performer you know and that is like your energy you know you were just built to be on the stage like i yes 
my wife got me tickets to the Killers when they were in town, and I had kind of forgotten about the Killers, but I love the Killers. Yeah. And I had never seen them, and they were always yeah. kind of a bucket list band because I've always heard that Brandon Flowers is just a monster live. Yeah. I mean, and, I've always loved. I've never seen him or the band. Dude, live. It, it like it. It was like adding another dimension, you know. To like, I got it. Why they? Yeah. Why they? Like, especially in Europe, they're just huge. They just sell out everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, I get it. He came out, and I was just like, dude, you were meant to be in this moment. Yes. He just had this set up. You know, he just had a, a yes. wired 58. Yes. You know, and wedges, like the most simple setup ever, and just commanded, like, yes. XL. Like, he just commanded that whole room. Like, it was a tiny, a tiny, like, small size venue. Yes. And I was just like, <sighs> you know, for them, uh, like I don't like I think that the world would be missing out if he stopped playing shows like that, you know. And, yeah. and a lot of the band has stopped playing with him. The dr it's basically just the drummer and him now. But he just and the new band members. With yeah, them? Okay, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they just hire out guys. I think yeah. they still track in the studio, you know. Okay. But I'm like, ah, uh, like, man. Like what you do, this is your element. This is your something special. Like you make great records. I enjoy the records, but this, yeah, you know, was another thing. And I think that for other people, it's not so much. Like there's there's bands that I'm that like I love, and I've seen them live, and I'm like, you guys were good, but it was yeah. like I would I got so much more out of your record. Yes, than, than, than I going, did seeing you live. Yeah, you know, 100%. And I, and I think it's knowing what you are and, and what you sell. And there's a lot of different ways to make music, produce music. And I think, like, um, I don't know. I don't think there's a hard and fast rule. But I think that, like, some people just have uh, that stage energy and that presence. And if you're that kind of a person, then I think it is important yeah. to focus on the visuals and that aesthetic and that experience. Oh yes. To dial it. in even more. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, to obviously totally speculating, do you, but with your experience with artists and band stuff that you have, yeah. do you think that is, um, do you think that's a learned thing or is a natural thing for that everything has to be crafted and work goes into it that's obvious but yeah. do you think i think there i think that there is i think that you can learn enough to like get by you yeah. know i think you can learn sage presence and learn the basics but to really have something that sets you apart i think there are people who just naturally thrive i think it depends what that situation does to you you know does it give you this intangible energy yes. that um, like you were talking about you two the other day yeah. and you know, I think Bono is one of those guys where, you know, he's been, you know, there's been this legend about him, you know, tracking vocals in the studio where they actually set up like a live PA and he uses like a 58, like a live mic that he would normally use and he has to hold it and, and they just, you know, deal with the bleed and everything because that's, that where charges him up. Yeah, yeah. That gets the performance, oh, you know, because that brings him up to full speed yes. you know whereas yes. a more sterile controlled environment yeah you don't have to deal with some of the audio problems but maybe the performance isn't what what he wants it to be yeah for other people like myself i did not i it wasn't a thrill for me i'm yeah. too neurotic and detail oriented <laughs> yes and 
it it absolutely just robbed me of all of my energy. You know, when you, like, pl- when you played live, yeah, I just it just wasn't something that that I was naturally meant to do. And um, you know, for me, my energy was by myself, mad scientist kind of vibe. You know, yes. like getting really detailed and having total freedom. No yes. one watching uh, to really experiment and, and, you know, something can take as long as it needs to and no one's like tapping their foot behind you like, is this, is your idea flushed yeah. out enough yeah. for us to judge it now, you yeah. know, or kind of thing. And um, I don't know, live just didn't, just didn't do that for me. Also the kind of like rinse repeat of, of playing the same set over and over, I, mm-hmm. I had a hard time really like getting new energy out yeah. of it. Because I think for me, like once the track came together and was written, and was yes. composed. Yes. I was kind of ready to put it away yes. and, and give it to the world. Yep. You know? Put it out and now I work on the next thing. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of like, it's like, you know, Oasis having to play Wonderwall, you know, almost 30 years later. Yes. And it's like, I'm always like, I wonder if that's why the Gallagher Brothers, it's the Gallagher Brothers, right? Yes. I'm like, I wonder. No, Liam. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I wonder if that's why they hate each other, you know? Because, because they that. have to play a Wonderwall song. I love that song. Yeah. It's yes. an amazing song, but it's like, it's one of those deals where it almost like the legend of Wonderwall was almost bigger than the legend of Oasis. Yes. And I think that. And that's fascinating. I wonder, because I think about that too. I think about the big bands, uh, like U2, I told you recently, yeah. uh, U2 is my all-time favorite band. Yeah. I used to be so ashamed to say it, but I'm just putting it out into the world. Dude. And now, I'm, I mean, I'm coming out of the closet and <laughs> U2 is... <laughs> Man, okay, so but like the thought of um dude, there's no shame in it. I know everyone's pissed at them because they they, you know, kind of hacked their album onto everyone's iPhones and man, everyone he, was super, you know, invaded yeah, by that. But super invaded. It's time to forgive. Is, yeah, it's forgive and move on. Man, okay, so the thought of you go to a YouTube show and if they don't play Beautiful Day, people are going to be like gypped that's because especially yeah. a band where uh can i say gyp? i shouldn't say i'm, I'm as i'm giving you know what i didn't even way, i didn't even know that it was like a, a, I, a like slang like gypsy slurred. slang yeah me neither thousand pardons if i leave this in. <laughs> if this is left in i probably will leave it in i didn't uh, know either until i got in trouble in elementary school saying gypped one time really yeah. back in elementary school yeah and i was like i didn't i just thought it, i didn't know i just thought it was like a, like a way of saying ripped off you yes. know i didn't realize there was any cultural you yes. know significance man okay uh th- here's a side note the thought when i've been doing these podcasts yeah i at the beginning I had to edit a lot because of my vocal tics. When I, I would oh, say, sure. I would say a ton of ums and likes, in the sense of uh, just overkill when I'm listening to something. So yeah, I would. I had people literally write into me and say, "Loving the podcast, but." You are so distracting. Yeah, just <laughs> let the person talk and don't make any noise. So one of the biggest things I've had to learn is when someone else is talking, for me, I'm just just listen. Don't just give it space and let the other person talk for a second. Yeah. I don't always give I have to give the vocal cues. But within that, I I would accidentally say things like gypped or even a minute ago I said like I came out of the closet with the U2 thing. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, that could be offensive to somebody. And now I'm I'm now I'm to the point of saying no. If I need to start filtering myself, I need to learn this in everyday life. Yeah. I'm gonna, li- I'm gonna leave it in. The question of how raw 
How raw Should something do you be? Yeah. Oh, the age old. <laughs> the age old. So this oh, yeah. is going raw. Cool. Well, I'm, again, I'm like good I just with said, that. we're going in. We're going. We're going into this podcast conversation raw. I think everything is. <laughs> I think everything's pretty PG given the the current current state of, you know, uh, of uh, entertainment in the world. Man. Dude, I don't even know where we were, I was going with the whole YouTube oh, thing. But the thought of they have to play. They have you have to play because people are when you're that big. People have been waiting years to see you in concert. Well, and that's maybe the first time. And that's the that's kind of the element of of being a musician that you realize that this job is a service industry. And if yes. it's if it's not a service industry, then you should be only putting records out really for me, myself, and I. You know, if yes. you're not, I'm not saying that you have to pander. Yes. You know, but you have to understand that. Listen to what people say that they like about what you do. I like, for example, I if I had to pick, like what track if I release a record and I'm like that's track's gonna be the best one, almost always that's the least favorite. You know because other people's yeah uh, interesting because. I almost always, I always love the deep tracks. Yes. You know, and uh, what it means to you, maybe. That's the thing. Is it? It's easy. It, you get more out of it because you're, you're, you're close enough that you want to try to digest the most complex palette. Yes. You know, um, whereas you gotta understand that like. People love things that are familiar. That's why there's pop music, and that's why pop music yeah. has elements that work because um, it's a different song, but it's got so much similar to other songs you've listened to. Yes, it's kind of like it's like you look at like a show like The Office, where you have kind of this mockumentary style filmmaking, really kind of modest production value yep. as opposed to you know like a a super you know like like csi type overproduced yes. Yes. you know kind of thing and i think that it was tricky for people yeah. to kind of embrace that and then once people embrace that production style you had all these spin-offs you know you had parks and recreation you know you have 30 rock and and stuff like that that are similar they're not necessarily mockumentary but yes. similar production style and i think that it was like if you like the office then you'll like this because there are things in it that are familiar to what you're used to and i think that that sometimes is a phenomenon that musicians need to understand but hate to understand because it means that like it's always the you got to make it more accessible it's got to be more accessible you know yes. and more accessible really means using more familiar sounds using more familiar structures give give things that people can anchor to yes you know so that on the first pass they they latch onto something yes Cause that's, there's a lot of records like, like my favorite band ever is Radiohead. And like when I started listening to Radiohead, it was not the most accessible thing, but at, at the same time it is, you just have to understand the tools that they're working with. But then you yeah. realize that like, like I remember Chris Martin one time said that he was like, they were asking him about his, uh, songwriting process. And he was like, oh, well, it's really easy. I just find a Radiohead song to rip off and then I go, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was funny. like, man, that's so telling. And it's interesting because, you know, Coldplay kind of took a lot of the like Radiohead thing and they made it super accessible. Yeah. You know, they kept pop 
yeah. top uh, accent leaning each with each album. Yeah. Leaning more and more. Yeah. They just made it. And I love Coldplay. I mean, I'm not ashamed to say that. I think that they're a, a you know, a pivotal band. But, um, yeah, I think that they kind of, kind of just dressed it up in a way that was a little more simplified, mm -hmm. a little less challenging. Me, I would rather listen to Radiohead than, than Coldplay, but the, I'm also a musician. I appreciate, yeah. you know, that. And, um, yeah, okay, where do you find, so you, you're, you live in studio world. Yeah. So are you constantly at, uh, at odds when you're producing something with balancing accessibility and pushing the limits? 100%. How do you find, are there, are there questions you ask or is it just a mentality you try to put yourself in to find balance? It's weird. I think it's like, do you ever remember, or like, I always related to like this experience of like being a kid and you're like, you know, maybe it's like end of summer, school's coming up, you're like getting back to school clothes. And you're like, these are new styles. I'm mm. going to try them on. Yeah. I don't know if it's me yet, but you don't really know if it's you until you put it on. And then you feel kind of weird because it's you, but yes. yet you see other people wearing it. And you have this weird kind of experience yes. of it's it's fine when it's other people, but because, but it doesn't seem like your identity yet. And so it, it, you have all this anxiety, yeah, you know, and and because insecurity. I'm trying to force it. Maybe yeah. I, am I trying too hard? Yeah. Like everything always seems way cheesier when it's you than yes. for someone else, you know, like lyrics and things like that. Like when I was younger, I had the hardest time ever wanting to write like a love song or something. Cause it just made kind of made my skin crawl a little yes. bit, you know, it just felt okay. like, like I'm always like, it just felt cheesy to you, like it was. It didn't feel like you. And is yeah. That what you say? Okay. Yeah. Like I think about like, like boys to men, and then okay. coming to like a right session and being like, "We're gonna write a song called Make Love to You." I would be like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah." Like no, no. Are you kidding? And then be hundred percent serious about it. Like, like I don't know how many guys. If it's four or five guys, all okay. singing. Yeah. You know four or five part harmony, you know, <laughs> yes. all make love to you, yeah. you know, and I'm just like, uh, who's talking here? Are you all talking to one person at one time? Yeah, you like, yeah I would be way too neurotic about it, you know, and it was like, but yet how many, how many records did that sell? I <laughs> yeah. mean, we're still talking about that track, you know? So it's yeah. like, it's one of those things where it's a weird experience when you're you're trying to adapt a trend that you see that isn't something that just would come out of your brain. Yes. And I think that you have to kind of marry those two things. And you got to, like a lot of times, I'll find a track that maybe I really like and I think I could do something like it. And I'll kind of start with that as a reference because I mm. know that if I start way out in left field, my instincts by the end of that track are going to pull me back towards my default. Yes. You know, if you start at your default, you're not going anywhere, you know, but if you, oh, if you, man. if you start kind of far off, and I'm not saying like, there's obviously parameters, Yes. you know, yes. but if you start, it's like how, no matter how much, uh, people want to try and replicate a song to do a cover of it, it always sounds like their version of it. And yeah. it's like the same thing happens, I think with writing in that, you got to find ways to get outside yourself, especially in this new culture of solo, so many solo artists, so many like duos, so many, yes. so many, uh, 
smaller artists and then you kind of you know if you go live you hire on a band or something mm -hmm. there's just not that whole like beatles led zeppelin band dynamic mm -hmm. as much yeah um anymore and i think that when you have a smaller party of people that are writing and contributing creatively you definitely have to find ways to wear different hats and kind of change your brain like i remember hearing sufjan stevens mm -hmm. i love i love where you're going with this crap dude yeah this is okay sufjan stevens he i read an article about him because i was so fascinated about that that michigan record because i like he won so many awards for that and he did that by himself with like a like a 57 and like a like uh audio technica you know some some hundred dollar condenser mic into a roland hard disk recorder yes. and then busted out the master outputs into pro tools two tracks at a time to get it mixed and like you know <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that it baffled me yeah you know and then people were asking him you know like how do you I don't know, like, how do you play all of these instruments and still have it sound interesting? You know, like, it's kind of like when you have someone who's a piano player, they think in terms of how you write parts on the piano. When you, when you have a guitar player, they think in, in keys and intervals and things that are lend itself to the guitar. You know, things tend to be a lot of fits yeah. and really pentatonic and stuff because that's how a guitar is laid out yep. yeah yep. you know and so he was like well depending on what instrument you're playing you got to think like you got to think like what that player would play and you have to have those same kind of uh struggles for sonic space that, that a band would have yes now do here check out this situation yeah coming from the other side as a bass player the here here is where that's and everything you're describing right there has brought um, a lot of confusion to my life. Okay, yeah. Right? So yeah. My, the f confusion and trying to figure out myself in that scenario is I, for the longest time, had the mindset of, oh, this person's hiring me for a reason because mm. they're a producer, they're bringing me in as yeah. a bass player. So I now all of a sudden I put all this pressure on myself to make myself worth their time. And I, now I have to, this bass line needs to be worth the extra money and I need yeah. to prove that you're bringing me in for a reason because because of my bass playing or whatever it is yeah. and I need to prove it. And so now I'm playing skills <clears throat> I wouldn't play. I'm doing, I'm stepping out where maybe the song just needs something simple. Yeah. And whereas the real, real creativity and the pure art for myself at least comes from um, somehow getting past those questions sure. and being in the moment and just saying, okay, what, what is this speaking to me? What yeah. is this need right here? And, and ignoring all the other intricacies of the relational thing that's not about. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So it's been a huge journey of mine to recognize all the things you're saying, but then at some point ignore that that exists when we're in the moment of creating? 100%. It's Well, I think it's... Uh, Again, it's a communication issue. Okay. Because really what you're trying to do is uh, quantify value on their terms. You have to figure out like what is your unit of value? Like what is what mm. when you listen to a track and you and the the hole that you've carved out on this track that you're hiring me to fill, you know, what is that shape? And then Quantified value. I love that. Yeah. You know, I think then as a producer, it's it's knowing the right questions to ask and, and knowing how to direct without inhibiting their freedom. So I think 
like for me anyways, if I hire someone or like, if I, or like, for example, like tracking vocals with someone. Yeah. The first couple passes are like, I'm not going to tell you anything. Yeah. Do what you do. And then let's start reining it in. But it's like what you're paying for is that person's energy. So the first thing I think is to just figure out like what is their super unadulterated, super unique signature, figure out what's working and not working, get rid of the feelings involved, you know, and just be like, dude, I hired you because you're awesome. Yeah. You know, like I think you're awesome enough that I hired you and I wanted to work with you. Um, like go crazy. I don't care about mistakes. I'm not expecting you to like, this isn't a union job. I'm not expecting you to like, you know, hammer it out in one take and you know, we're on the clock kind of thing. At least not in my situation. Yes. Maybe there are other roles, you know? Well, here's the deal, man. I've always had this theory that there are two kinds of producers. There's one kind of producer who has the idea or songwriter. I've got the idea, the exact sound in my head. So I'm going to hire the person that does that sound or someone that can get that sound that's in my head on here. And then the other producer is the one that's like, I've got this project. I love what this person does. I'm going to bring you in to do what you do. And then you kind of have a hands-off, and then you're almost a curator of yep. ideas. 100%. It's, uh, so I, I kind of, my mind always, I'm whenever I meet someone in the, with a producer hat, yeah. I'm always trying to figure out which leaning that person has. So it's cool because I always feel like I connect more with people who lean the way of curator like sure. you do. 100%. And I... And there's definitely places for both, and it. Oh yeah, for, and, sh- for sure. And the other thing is, and let me say, by the way, uh, the my only leaning that way is just out of insecurity. Oh sure. Because uh, when I've worked with other people, they're like, "This is what you need to do." Then I have all this pressure on my head. I'm like trying to figure it out. Okay, I gotta, I gotta nail it. Oh and totally. And it's just not comfortable for me. Well, as a and person. that's a, that's a, that's a. I mean, that's a, a natural reaction. That's yes. just being a hard worker. Yeah, yeah. You know, and wanting to deliver. Yeah. And the real, the thing is, the question is always what is delivering and so i think that's the hardest thing is yes is i think we have a tendency to always want to overdo it on you know err on the side of more um when really a lot of times especially in modern music yeah erring on the side of less is probably the better strategy you know, and it just depends. I think that's the mistake that young bands make all the time is it's like, oh, we have an awesome guitar player who can shred. We're not a shredding band, but we got to yeah. showcase this somewhere. Yes. And it's like, you don't, you know, yeah. because it's confusing to the listener. And it's like, you always have to, I always evaluate everything at the end of the day. Like if someone who is like j- purely a listener and not even a sophisticated listener, just okay. an everyday listener is this going to be super confusing to them, you know? Especially if you're doing things like using an accidental chord or maybe messing with the time signature or, you know, mm-hmm. doing something mm-hmm. that's a little less straightforward. I think there's ways to do it that a person who is not musical at all could listen to it and not even realize that anything like that happened. Yes. Like, I love Beck, and Beck is the master of just toying with the elements in a yes. way that's still super musical. Yes. Um, but it's complex. Yes. And but it's not like it's not like over the top throwing it in your face complex. Yes. It's just I know how to do this in a way that's interesting. The Beatles were like that too. Yeah. And it didn't freak people out. Yeah. You know, but they did it in a way that they threw those elements in to the point that you didn't even know that they were throwing something in. 
Yes. You know, it yes. was so subtle and so seamless. Because it was it was it was out there, but still supporting the song. Hundred percent. Man, I songs in five four do that for me. Yeah. Because in the sense of they're very polarizing. Because I instantly can tell if they're coming from a music school standpoint of like, hey, we're gonna yep. write a song in five four, or they wrote a song and it flows with it. And if you, you were listening, you would be like, oh, that's an odd time signature. Dude, I would never thought about that. There's this. Uh, arcade fire like modern man I think it is yes is in 5-4 and every time I listened to it I was like that little snare hit is so cool like what are they doing there yeah and it's not I didn't listen to that track as in like like oh like that's distracting yes you know or like um, I think it was at the end the last track on Viva La Vida maybe um Coldplay did a thing that was in 7-8 all of a sudden like you know like the outro was in like 7-8 or something and or it was like it was like they alternated between bars of 4-4 and 3-4 or something like that yes. but it was it was so cool and it wasn't distracting at all and that's the main thing I think just don't be distracting like I think if you can listen to that song from beginning to end and there's no moments that you like hang on um, uh. don't overthink it you know, yes. because you're just trying to convey an emotion and tell a story and take a person somewhere, some kind of arc for, for three minutes. Or maybe it doesn't have to be an arc. I think I tend to think of music more as like kind of dynamic like yes. that. But I think for some people it's it's almost more of each track has a certain energy and you're kind of living in... It's kind of like, like house music where, you know, it's really just kind of manipulating the same loop over and over for you know three and a half minutes or whatever and you're kind of changing the energy just enough throughout the whole track that like you're giving a, a person a cool space to be in for yes. that amount of time yes and then that's it don't don't overcomplicate it you yes. know and but i think it's hard to which is a brings up another interesting point of working with less people and having less eyes on something is hmm. that your objectivity gets lost really fast and i think that's also when people want to make things really complex is <clears throat> you're making decisions based on your gut but the problem is your gut gets desensitized and gets used to things to the point that eventually something that would have given you a good gut reaction is now giving you no reaction Yes. Or it's making you feel bored and so you get insecure about it. And so you want to change it or add something yes. or make something more complex because it gives you that gut feeling again. Yes. It makes it seem new. You know, it's like. Yes. Man, I have a buddy of mine who, who did that, who had, who had a song and he, uh, he was doing it himself. Yeah. And the same thing. Like I heard the demos of it and it just hit. Yeah. It, it wasn't super it wasn't super polished, but in a cool way. Yeah. And it just hit so hard and it just was so aggressive. And it I just like was so pumped when I listened to it. Yeah. And same thing happened. And then he took it back, he sat on it for a few months, polished, 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 polished. Yep. And then by the time I listened to the final thing, it was like, oh, the thing, the energy that that the uh I don't know that spark that, yeah. that was there is gone. It's yep. polished out, and it's is is that why you're saying? That's what I think it is, and that's Man. what it's been for my own. A lot of times, sometimes I've gotten to tracks where I get to the end of it, and there was one time I deleted 20 tracks at the end of a, of a session. Right, I just I deleted like 20 layers. Yeah, it was just like none of that has any place in this. Yes, 
And and that is what made the track. You know, I think I think deleting is a huge thing. You know, I think like it's good to you know, when you're tracking, a lot of times you want to track apart from start to finish because you haven't mixed the song yet and it makes the song feel weird and mm -hmm. empty if it drops out all of a sudden. Yeah. But then it's so good to go back and just be like, delete it here, delete it here, delete it here. And maybe it's only in one turn or like one little section. Yes. Um, but you're, you're bringing back that negative space. And I think that like, it's... It's hard to maintain that objectivity and, and hear that negative space as a good thing when you've been working for so long. Yes. And, event, and especially musicians being more, I don't know, I don't want to stereotype, but it's like we tend to judge things based on emotions it gives us, feelings it gives us. Not necessarily emotions as in sad, melancholy, okay. you know, yeah. melodramatic yep. kind of thing. I'm just saying like, Maybe it's a good vibe. Maybe it's, you know, yep. a stress vibe. Maybe it's a whatever. Yeah. You know, we gauge things and that's kind of our, you know, uh, our our detector for uh, yes. whether it's valuable or not to us. Yes. And the problem is, just like anything, uh, take like a relationship. You know, you go from puppy love to a more steady, deeper seated, but less yes. everyday surface level kind of love, you know, that you know is really foundational you know it's there but yep. it's not like this intense energy like at the beginning of a relationship where you got yes. all the nerves and everything and so i think in the same way that sometimes that can mess with people's heads in like a relationship yes. setting it's the same thing with the song where you got to go look this part i was so stoked about this part when it first happened i've heard it a thousand times i'm not excited about it that's science. That's just, you know, <laughs> yes. that's a normal. Yep. You have to understand that you're not going to feel anything from that anymore. And the funny thing is, too, that sometimes if you put it away and you come back to it a few months later, you might get it the first few yes. listens. Oh, and then you get used yes. to it again. You know, okay, but yeah. it's like it's like watching a show over and over and over. And, like, eventually you're kind of sick of it. And then you put it away. But then a few months later you start watching and you're like, oh, I remember yeah, why I love now, it. Yeah, yes. And so... A lot of that stuff comes comes to discipline, yes, self awareness, and and workflow. Like for me, working alone a lot, I found that cycling through songs is a lot better. I got I've kind of learned to realize when like mm. you're getting tunnel vision, Dan. You're getting kind of weird about this. You know, like you're not hearing this song as a whole anymore. You're hearing a bunch of little moments you're insecure yeah. about. Yes, and. Uh, it's time to put it away, yep. you know, and come back to it. Yeah. And sometimes it's like for mixing, it's like, I feel like sometimes like a good solid lunch break or a nap or something and come back in those first couple passes, do as much as you possibly can because it's all about tricking your brain into having a fresh eyes on it. Fresh yeah. ears. Man, okay, so everything you're saying right now reminds me of one of my first conversations uh, with the podcast. I interviewed a producer friend of mine named Ben Gowell. Okay. He's an unreal guy. Uh, and his, one of his deals is he calls everything you're talking about the human problem with familiarity. Yeah. And I'm probably botching how he exactly worded it, but the thought of at some point you're going to be familiar yep. with something. And I really have struggled with that over the past few years with music yep. of this life. I've been so fortunate to do music full time. Yep. It was my only job for the past, oh uh, man, eight years now. Yep. 
and I've become familiar with it. And so the things I have to remind myself, how can I come at and view my life yep. and everything in my relationships with fresh eyes? Yep. Because honestly, I mean, this sounds super conceited to say, but if 16 year old Rob would see, I'm now my 32 year old Rob, yeah. the things that I do not give a crap about right now, yep. I would crap my pants. Yep. 100%. Because I'd be so pumped about them. 100%. Because it'd be the fresh eyes. Are you kidding me? You could do this. Yeah. You're not working at uh, Banana Republic anymore. Yeah. Whatever. You know what I mean? Yep. Okay. So my question for you with this is, and you've answered it already in a couple ways, How are there tricks, mindsets, or how do you hold on to objectivity and balance, um, find the balance between uh, figuring out, am I just used to this and I've just heard it a million times or am I actually, have I listened to this enough and say, okay, this actually isn't as good as I thought it was at the beginning. And one of the things you said was set it aside. Yeah. Taking a nap. Yeah. Or whatever. Coming back, taking a nap or lunch break. Yep. <laughs> I'm making you sound like a little kid. You take a nap, have a little, uh, have a little snack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. Is there anything Dude. else? Like, yeah. Recess. The recess yeah, have a little mentality. <laughs> no. I no. I mean, I think obviously reference tracks are nice. You know, to drop a track in there and reference it. Although, mm. you got to be careful sometimes with that because I think. It really depends. I think reference tracks are great when you're like in the final stages, you know, and you're making sure that, um, I don't know, I guess maybe once you move down to a little bit more of a, uh, of an engineering kind of aspect and less of a creative aspect, I think sometimes bringing in reference tracks really early on can almost be emotionally unproductive huh yeah because you're comparing this huge finished product that you already know you love you already know how you're you've made your mind up about it comparing it to something you're doing that's in yeah. the very early stages of it yeah you don't know how you feel about it and yeah. honestly you realize that it doesn't even matter how you feel about it because it only matters what kind of what other people feel about yes. it yes and sometimes it's uh it's almost like the like the Instagram syndrome of like comparing your life and you know all the nitty gritty details and comparing it to someone's you know Behind the limited scenes. edited moments yes. where they it's the highlight reel yes you know and so sometimes it's kind of an unfair example yeah again reference tracks tracks are amazing but I think it you got to be careful when you're being creative when you're writing and composing that. Whatever keeps the vibe up, keeps the energy up, you know, yeah. and I've done it before where it basically just crushed the day, you know, because it was just like, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, this track I referenced sounds amazing and mine does not. Yeah. So now I want to curl up in a ball. All day, yes. You know? Um, you Man, got, that's the difference between referencing and comparing your work. Yeah. You know, like how, like, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's an art form too of saying, okay, here, we're, I'm listening to this for the ideas and the approach. Yep. Where it will inspire me, but not comparing where I'm at with what I'm listening to. 100%. Right that's, yeah, like, I yeah. think it's great to like brainstorm. Like, if you're right, doing a co write or something, you want to like put it on concrete terms, grab a few tracks, you compare notes, and then put them away for yes. the rest of the day and just be you. Yes. You know, but it's like, but sometimes it just depends. It's knowing how to manipulate those energies. Yes. It's like, I remember being a kid and watching like 
Ninja Turtles movies or like Mighty Ducks or like, you know, the Three Ninjas movies yes. with the grandpa, oh, yeah. you know, and the masks. Yep. And I was like, dude, I just, I'm so pumped. I yep. just want to go like I was not allowed to watch blocks. those after a while because I was doing <laughs> yeah. that. And my mom was like, no, you do stupid things with your brother if you watch it too much. Yeah. Dude, right? And oh, yeah. so you got to have like ways, like tricks like that, that like get you pumped, you know, yes. get you in the moment. And, um, and so that's a that's an example of maybe a track gets you really excited to make something and just knowing how it's just experience it's just being in those situations and understanding that like hey right now while we're not too stoked on this track and we're trying to like figure out that what how what's gonna like really be the breakthrough maybe don't bring in this amazing track that's like an all-time legend hit and yes. like compare it to yourself yes. you know it's like if if you're uh i don't know it's just like waking up in the morning and then comparing yourself to like, you know, someone that's dressed up for the Oscars, yes. you know, it's like, it's not a fair fight. Yes. And, and your emotions are just going to go oh, sideways man, from that's that point. Fascinating. You know, man, I actually, uh, it's not cool to say, but I struggle with that. And, and to the point of, I have to intentionally with my days, I limit any external input. So like I don't I I'm not I don't look at Instagram first thing in the morning anymore. I don't have an Instagram. Is. You don't have an Instagram. No. Yeah. Brilliant, I say. Because I so my thing is the first couple hours I have to allow the first couple of more hours in the morning for me to be step into myself yeah. before I, the world impacts me. If that makes sense at Dude, all. Dude, 100%. There are times when honestly I'm just around music so much that like driving yeah, I will put on like the office or something that yes. I've, I've seen a million times and yeah. I'm just listening to it. Yeah, <laughs> I you put know? it set the iPad right up in front of the, you know, like the it's steering wheel. Yeah, but I've, I just I'm like, I want to be in a medium that I am not. Yes, like in the profession of. Yes. You Dude, know, photography lately. Yeah, I've been diving into some photography and I know that's like kind of cliche, but in the sense of I want something that makes me see the world around me yeah. a little bit different yep. and I'm not judging. I'm not thinking I'm like a, I'm a new, I'm a, I'm a new beginner at that. And your, your craft yeah. is nowhere on that scale of, yeah. of judgment. Yes. Cause sometimes, you know, it's like you listen to an amazing record and you're like, dude, that was so good. Will I ever do something like that? Yeah. You know, it's like when I watch yes. when I watch a TV show, I don't have those thoughts. I don't think the thought I think it's just this that is was up. an amazing show. This period. Rules. Yep. This I, I am not placing yep. myself in my whole existence. Yes. Sometimes you just gotta like put the existential triggers away. Yeah. You know? And it, to me it's kind of like the same thing of I've always said one of the saddest jobs, and I mean, I'm sure people love it, would be to get a job at Disney World. I've never, I've never, I've never been to Disney World, but Dude, I think that's like actually of, my wife's like one of she like would love to do that. Yeah, man, but the thought of you go there and as soon as it's your job, the magic leaves yeah. to an extent. And I'm sure it comes back because the magic comes back in music and whatever you're doing. Yeah, but there is an extent of that coming into something with fresh eyes. You got to be ready to look the, behind the curtain. You got to you know? be okay. Um, I want to, all right, quick transition this because I want to yeah. hit a topic that I think this goes into, but also this is the longest I've been outside this year and I f am horribly afraid of getting the biggest sunburn ever because I am pasty <laughs> with it. The only reason yeah. this is not going to be a three-hour uh, yeah. conversation is because of my fear of getting the worst Dude, sunburn. Dude, that's good. Sunburn. I'm a, dude, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, 
marathon runner, not a sprinter. So like, <laughs> yeah, especially one-on-one, I'm a, I'm a complete and utter hermit. Like, honestly, yeah. there are, there are times where I will go four days and not leave the house, yes. you know, like bomb shelter mode. Yeah, man. And I absolutely love it, you know, and yep. I got my dogs and my wife and, you know, we, I hunker down and it's great. Um, and I'm not really like a party goer, but one-on-one, yeah. that's like what all my stored up social energy is for. Is, yes. It's for digging up the, the little the little kernels of yes. whatever makes things make sense. Okay, okay, I'm tying this all together. Yeah. What was I? The thing is, not com- it all com- seems to come down to not comparing yourself to other people and figuring out what makes you tick. Yep. And then holding on to that and yeah. running with that and like uh, fine tuning it and yep. doing it, whatever, like running with that as much as possible. Yep. Because in the same with music, it's the same with personalities. Oh, in yeah. The sense 100%. Of the only reason we're doing this conversation is because you are that way. Yep. And we had a great conversation on Sunday. Yeah. And I've, I've realized the uh, I constantly get asked, well, how do you pick your guests for the podcast? Sure. And I've realized. Uh, there's a few times where I seek people out that I don't know, but really what I want to do is I'm trying to keep my eyes open for con- and ears open for conversations with people that um, I just he- I I recognize that in sure people that yeah. want to think deeper like they want to think about the thing behind the thing yeah 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 because that's the key that's what I love about it and yeah. if I if I ruminated myself I would kill that out of myself and this wouldn't exist you know hundred percent same with art same with the music yeah. Uh, uh, People want to know how it's made. People want to know it's how. Okay, so transition. So speaking of this, and let's wrap it up here. Sure. Um, I did want to, the one of the main things I did want to chat with you about, uh, and this will be short. But the thing is, sure. our conversation on Sunday, you mentioned, and what I, I labeled our conversation as, the arc of confidence. Sure. In the yeah. creative journey, which that uh, is very much all tied into. Everything. everything we're saying yeah 100 percent. and the thought of describing maybe i'll maybe i'll make an actual graph and put it up for like video or something yeah. like that or i'll put it on the show notes a graph yeah. but the thought of when you first start out something you have a ton of unearned confidence yes uh and then and you think you're awesome and yep. then as you go in your journey and you learn more and you hear more you start comparing more maybe a yep. little bit then you realize their confidence goes down but your awareness goes up yes right yes uh, and then you get to this point, there has to be some point at the end where you realize your confidence confidence goes up because you realize, oh, nobody has it all figured out. Yep. And it's you have to step into it and say, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm yeah. going to be confident within that. Yeah, you got to put it on like a, you know, like a uniform or something like, or like a, like a, you know, like clothes. You're like, um, yes, you know, it's, I like the it's, thought it's, it's conscience. Good. Man, okay. It's, it's a conscious action. Yes, and I think that it ties into everything we we're saying with this with this conversation this whole time of getting the point of not comparing yourself on that downside of when you start getting a little further into your craft and you real you have more awareness. Yeah. Not comparing yourself, but then what people don't talk about is the fact that it is a putting on. You have it to is. make a conscious decision. And like you said earlier, the putting clothes on yeah like trying to figure out like oh man does this look good on me or whatever. yeah no you have to just freaking put it on and own it 100 percent. and i wonder if that's the same with the confidence thing oh i think it is 100 percent because yeah i mean just to you know to to flesh out the arc you're talking about i mean in in my life it was my family doesn't play music yeah and i i did not 
play a musical note, did not sing, did not do anything until I was about 16 maybe, which already put me way behind the curve. Yes. You know, because you're competing, you know, with people who have grown up in musical families who have been, you know, like they got a little toy guitar when they're two and, you know, like, and there's always instruments around and people talking musically. And I mean, like my parents... Like the only records I can really remember from my childhood were like a like a, a Ronnie Millsap record <laughs> and uh, like Amy Grant the Collection or oh, like yeah. I'll Be Home for Christmas or yep. whatever the Amy Grant. Amy I was Grant Christmas. huge on the Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman in our oh, home. Oh yeah, oh yeah, all that stuff. And so like there was just I just wasn't around music a lot and like I remember you know then when I started kind of getting into it I remember like hearing Nirvana for the first time and I would like secretly have my radio you know on the the, like rock station you know with my like a blank tape ready to go because that's how you did it yes you know like and then you quick hit record and you'd have all of these songs that started like 25 seconds (laughs) into the song yeah yeah. and you're like oh I have most of this track (laughs) you know yes and uh, I love it. And it's so time consuming and no kid will ever know that experience ever again. But like um yeah, you know, and then and then and then a friend came over and I guess my dad had like taken a guitar class or something in college, so there was okay. a guitar and he picked it up and he played, you know, the intro riff to never mind and my brain just like exploded in a million yes. pieces. Like I was like how is that coming from that that yeah. thing that's on the radio? It just came out of that thing. Yes. You know? And I was like, I need to do that. And so I just I just started like getting tabs on the internet or whatever. And I had no idea, but I was so just pumped that I could even make sounds come out of this thing. Yeah. You know? And then I started, you know, playing at church and everything on worship teams and I was like and that's probably where a, a lot of the, confi- the confidence unwarranted yes, confidence yes. you know you're on stage in front of people and people are just too nice and you're like oh, yeah. you feel like this <laughs> you feel like this tiny little like microcosm rock star and it's just this yes. and then you have no idea yes. Yes. the absurdity of it and you're just so overinflated and then and then all of a sudden, like, you know, I started, like, doing, like, bands and playing shows outside yes. of, like, in actual venues and stuff. And then that bubble burst, and I was like, ooh, I feel like I'm having a real D-bag moment here where I feel like yes. I've been really making an ass out of myself for, yes. like, the... <laughs> <laughs> yes! You know, man, you're speaking my language. You're you know? speaking my language. And, and you have this intense, humbling experience. Yes. And all of a sudden, you start comparing yourself and you start learning how to recognize standards and recognize different things that before you were just performing without any criteria and as long as people came up afterwards and told you nice things that was it yep you know and then you realize that sometimes people say nice things because they're nice people you know and you know nice people sometimes don't want to have to say harsh things because you know, who wants conflict, yep. you know? And so you kind of start being your own critic and then, yeah, all of a sudden you start getting real harsh on yourself and um, you realize how much you have to grow and you kind of, uh, you, everyone's had that moment where like, you know, that that video, that cell phone video shows yep. up on Facebook or YouTube or something and your whole just soul just crumbles in that yes. moment and you're like, that that is 
up there for everyone to see. Yes. You know, and you're like, and you're like, okay, that's it. I'm never playing ever again. Yep. You know, like I'm not doing yes. it ever again. And yeah. you have to find a way to go, well, there's got to be a middle ground on this. Yes. You know, um, because people were there having a good time, you know, yes. and like people want me to come back and like people are still paying money to come see this and stuff. So there has to be some good parts of it and you kind of got to pick yourself back up and and whether or not i think what we had said before was you know that confidence doesn't always have to be warranted yes and even if you're feeling insecure sometimes you just gotta put it on put on the confidence because you know that that's just part of that's just part of the job that's just it's how you put it on it's not putting it on in the sense of uh, I'm, I, I'm putting this on because I've earned it and I'm a badass. No, right. you're putting it on because this is how it works. Yep. I'm entering into this thing of you can create yourself and you have to just own it. Exactly. And I think sometimes it's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. too, because I think that sometimes if you go up and you have no confidence, then you're going to sound unconfident. Yes. And if you go up and you pretend you're confident, you sound confident. And then because you sound confident, you're playing better. And then you actually get you real confidence. Yes. And... I think that's what, uh, like, for me, production is part technical, musical, but it's also production of myself and people. Yeah. It's picking and choosing your battles so that you're cultivating a positive energy at all times. You know, you got to like, okay, let's say someone is performing or tracking something or, or it's a live situation and something isn't totally working. But there's, you got to ask yourself, if I say something, is this a tweak that can be fixed yes. today? Yeah. And if you can fix it today, then it's probably worth saying something. Okay. You know, like an yeah. auto guitar or, or like maybe a note's wrong or something. But if there's a very large, like a technique issue yeah. or a huge gaping tone issue or something that this person... It's it's probably gonna have to cultivate this change I want. They're gonna have yeah. to develop this, and it's gonna take some practice and some time. I would rather not say anything and have that person play as confidently as they can, and and give the best performance that they're able to in that moment, than say something that I know can't change, erode their confidence, and have the whole day go sideways. You know, and I yes, think, yes. Oh man, that is so good. You know, yes, because and that's the. I mean, that's kind of the thing with the reference track, too, is it's like I get that there is value in being objective, but there's not value if that objectivity is so harsh and so destructive that it basically steals the energy and, you know, sucks the energy out of the room. And so I think it's all it's all little tricks and all little ways to manipulate that creative energy and just yes it's just like anything else it's like tips for being productive throughout the day or whatever like buzzfeed articles yeah, that are yeah. like you know 20 tips yeah. successful people do or whatever yeah. it's like it's all little disciplined things to kind of especially when you're having to do this every day yeah you don't always feel creative you don't always feel inspired yeah so you gotta find ways to kind of jump start the process it's yes. like uh, Isaac just told me the other day that someone, like a producer or someone told him, you know, that like with writing, when you have to write every day, you know, it's like when you first turn on the faucet, the water's not hot right away. You got to let it run for a while yes. and eventually it heats up. But if you, if, 
you know, you're not willing to kind of let it run for a while and, yes. and, and heat up, then you're just never going to do anything because yes. that's not the way it works. You know, you sometimes you just yes. have to start. And like we were writing the other day, I came with an idea and kind of fleshed out a chorus idea. And then we were trying to find a verse that would pair with it. And we just couldn't, every time the verse transitioned into the chorus, it just felt like two different songs. But actually the verse that we had come up with led into an even cooler idea. Yes. And I was like, you know what? Let's just scrap the chorus, go where this is taking us. Yes. And it was just it was just a starting point, you know, and yes. you and you just have to find a way to to dig in and I think that it's it's weird because you're synthesizing kind of emotions that are really intuitive and natural. Things like inspiration, you know, or like positive energy or creativity or things like that. Things that just kind of happen to you. Yes. But you're trying to find a way to make them happen more consistently in an, in a way that you can kind of control your environment. And I think that putting on that confidence is another kind of technique. Yes. It's almost it's almost a performance technique. It's the same thing as stage presence or, you know, you know, uh you know, managing mm -hmm. your volume knob or yes. like muting your guitar in transitions yes. or like it's 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 something that like you develop as kind of a discipline that okay, no matter how I'm feeling, I got to put it on. Yes. And go do it. And I think for some people they're better at, at it than others. Yes. You know, that's probably but People are, oh, people are, that. like, the whole human being thing is being a giant paradox, you know? Yeah. It's like how so many times comedians are, like, insanely depressed people. But yes. you're like, wait a second, you make people laugh all day. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you have all these things going this on. This dark side of you. Yeah. I've always thought that comedians are some of the darkest personalities. Because they observe, and, uh, they observe everything. Yes. They're also, I mean, they're, comedians are like, like, you know, modern philosophers. They're, you know, and, yes, and I love it. And it's kind of like they're able to find the funny things and present it in a way mm -hmm. that makes you laugh. But I think the, the, the art of absorbing all of that is a little darker. It just obliterates them, you know? Oh, man. And so I think that it's the same thing being a musician. You, in order to be good at your craft, you have to be good at spotting problems. But then you have to learn how to live with those problems and still love the craft, you know, and love what you do, pimples and all. Yes. You know? Dude, that is everything right now. You have to observe the problems and then it's just discernment. Is yep. this something I can change and perfect or if it's something I need to leave? And that's everything we talked about. Yeah. It's just, man, it's understanding that yes. it's a mixed bag and... Um, and not letting that obliterate your your psyche and learning how to work with it and yeah. work through it. And I think that's the, the part of the arc where you go from being so hard on yourself that it's crippling to realizing, you know what? Everyone deals with this stuff. And I and this stuff exists on other records. It exists yes. in other live performance. And I love that stuff. Yeah. So it's a balance. It's a ratio. You yes. know, you got to make sure that, you know, the mistakes are not more frequent than, you know, what you're doing correct. Yes. You still have to take preventative actions to, to correct things, but you can't let it completely stop you. Yes. And 
and and that's kind of the balance that's the that's where a lot of the that's probably why a lot of super creative <clears throat> artists you know have been so successful when they have really solid management teams and really solid producers and yeah. people to kind of help them yeah you know because they're experiencing everything in such a raw way yeah you know that someone else can step in and go dude but you're focusing on a lot of the bad stuff yes. right now look at this 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 everyone loves that stuff yeah you know like you're good yeah do it a tool for myself is i have a forced fortitude folder i keep and it sounds so cheesy but no, if dude. i have if i have like an encouraging email or an encur specific encouraging text i'm going to yep. take a, a pic i take a screenshot of i dump it all in there and so the times or anything i can remember i write it down so those dark times i come back to it and i can just pull 100. that yeah, hundred percent. Or you don't necessarily need the folder. I just have a horrible memory. So yeah. if you have a good memory and you can just think of, okay, remember this, I'm gonna pull myself back on track because of all that. And you kind of have to do that stuff because I don't know what it is about. I don't know if it's just, uh, uh, you know, like a, a survival yeah instinct that is you know inbred in us um, or just part of our DNA. But for some reason, pain and fear imprint in your long-term memory so much more yes. than joy yes and like uh have you heard those the scientific quotes about that no they say uh your brain uh positive uh feedback and positive comments and positive moments your brain is actually like teflon it just bounces off uh, and so, and negative comments, it's like Velcro. So if something, <laughs> someone says something so negative. Dark. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but they say it takes 15 seconds. You need to sit on a positive moment, take in something, a song, a feeling, a comment someone said, yeah. a baby's face. That, that is what they were talking about. They said it takes 15 seconds of sitting in that for it to stick. Yeah. As much as something negative does. That's, that's bonkers. It's bonkers. Do you know it's bonkers? I'm dying right now. Dude, we both are wearing black. <laughs> it's way too hot. Dude, I'm I'm just the past like five minutes I'm thinking, do you think I have a sunburn? I bet I have a sunburn. I'm, Dude, I'm I hosed. bet we're getting there. We are we are the pasty boys right now. Dude. Dude, this was great. Dude, this is awesome. This Thanks is so for fun. hanging out with Dude, me. I love it.
Hey guys, this is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated, commented, or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. It's pretty cool. You can click on it. You can see where these have done. If you want to go visit them, if you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. Also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan, whatever you, you, you know, the drill. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, (laughs) I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast, or else I'd have to tell you, podcasting makes me thirsty, and nothing quenches a podcast thirst, whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast, nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey, Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness, because it truly is made of more. That's all. All right. That's it, thanks. (laughs) Uh, I love that crap. All right. Have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? Thanks for being here. (laughs) Say the most random thing you can think of. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. (laughs) Perfect.